U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken at 4.30 p.m. met China's leader Xi Jinping in person with hopes of stabilizing tense Sino-U.S. relations reportedly raised in the meeting. Analysts say this rapprochement may lead to a meeting between U.S. President Joe Biden and Xi in the second half of the year. On Monday morning, Blinken paid a visit to Wang Yi, a top Chinese foreign affairs official. It's expected that after Blinken's visit, there will be a new wave of exchanges between American and Chinese senior officials. As for when Biden and Xi might meet, it's very probable that it may be at the G20 summit in India in September and at an APEC leaders summit in the U.S. in November. American analysts say that this does not represent any kind of concession from Xi. Rather, it is a sign that he does not want China to economically decouple from the U.S. And now turning to Premier Chen Jianren, who is now in Taichung. Chen was in Wuqi Fisherman's Wharf presiding over a groundbreaking ceremony for extensions to the port when reporters asked him whether a long-awaited meeting between U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Chinese leader Xi Jinping would affect Taiwan. Chen would only stress that the U.S. was keeping Taiwan in the loop and the Taiwanese government has a firm grasp of the fine details of their talks. Premier Chen Jinren on Monday attended a groundbreaking ceremony for construction of a new area dedicated to small boat mooring and a floating pier. He took the opportunity to reiterate the government's resolve to develop the fisheries industry and take care of fisher folk. Today is devoted to construction on a mooring area for small boats and the western docking area for the floating wharf. In future, there will be construction on the eastern docking area. Altogether, 200 small-sized boats will be able to dock here. The government is always working to look after fisherfolk. Turning to KMT presidential candidate Ho Yo Yi's recent accusation that the DPP government does not pay attention to public servants, teachers and the military, Chen refuted the charges. Mayor Ho's statement has no basis in facts and it destroys mutual trust in Taiwanese society. Over the last seven years, teachers, the military and public servants have had three pay rises, an increase of more than 11 percent. We will act in accordance with existing laws and study increases in indexes relating to commodity prices over the past two years before we make another announcement next year. I believe that then there will be another opportunity for a pay rise. And when asked if U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's visit to China will affect Taiwan, Chen stressed that Taiwan and the U.S. were communicating smoothly. Taiwan and America have very good communication channels. We've always communicated pretty smoothly. Regarding this instance of high-level interactions between the U.S. and China, we've got a close grasp of the relevant details. But based on our bilateral practices, as well as mutual trust and tacit understandings, we won't publicize what we know. In addition to inspecting Wuqi Fisherman's Wharf, the Premier in central Taiwan also inspected wind power generation sites and visited companies in the energy industry. His trip echoed President Tsai Ing-wen's determination to strengthen green energy industries. And now turning to the upcoming elections for president and the legislature. There's been a lot of speculation that the China-friendly KMT and TPP might team up to defeat the independence-minded DPP. 
although TPP founder and presidential candidate Ko Wenje hasn't shown any interest. In the latest, two KMT legislative candidates, Zhang Sikang and Yu Shuhui, have openly called for cooperation with the TPP, saying it is in the best interest of both parties. However, this has been met with resistance from other KMT politicians. Jiang Zigang and Yao Shuhui, who are both Taipei KMT city councillors and legislated candidates representing northern areas in Taipei, have said openly on an online program that they hope to win support of the TPP. The number of seats we can win will be maximized. If, for example, in this place only one person runs, either from the KMT or TPP, I think everyone should join forces and concentrate their efforts. During the primaries, weren't there some candidates that in their own different ways were on the same page as Ko Wenzhe? There's Zhang Peijun, Xu Chaoxin, and Lo Zhiqiang. We are facing a difficult situation. We want to help the party win the most votes. The two were making an appeal to the KMT central headquarters that they hoped to reach a consensus with the TPP's presidential candidate, Ko Wenzhe, and reach a goal of maximising the number of China-friendly or pan-blue legislative seats. Legislator Johnny Jung, who the KMT wants to run for re-election, did not object. Getting the most votes is our highest goal. However, the KMT's legislative caucus disapproved, warning that the party could take disciplinary measures. We will first make thorough contact with our Taipei City branch instead of focusing on the interests of some individuals who are concerned with whether they get elected or not. Former KMT lawmaker Alex Tsai said the KMT's presidential candidate Hou Youyi was treating his presidential election like his mayoral election, which has made him fall from being one of the strongest candidates to the weakest. In recent months, some polls have found that the TPP's Kerr has outperformed the KMT's Hou and even the DPP's presidential candidate Lai Ching-de. If the polls continue with this trend, Hou's bid could be scuppered. The focus will be whether the philosophy and values are consistent with the values that the TPP emphasizes. The topic of blue and white cooperation has been tossed about. However, there seems to be just a lot of noise in the blue camp. As the popularity of the TPP is on the rise and the KMT seems to be faced with declining momentum, it seems like individual KMT candidates are only out for themselves. A scoop plane arriving at Taoyuan International Airport from Seoul early Monday was discovered to have a missing nose wheel upon landing, disrupting a following route to Singapore. Fortunately, the plane was able to land safely, but possible maintenance issues are now being called into question. Let's hear what some of the experts have to say. When there's only one wheel, if the weight of the aircraft is too heavy, that will probably put stress on another wheel or even deform it to a point where it cannot be controlled. That would definitely have an impact on control of the aircraft after landing or when taxiing. Since Scoot's fares are relatively low, perhaps it has led to some negligence on the part of some ground crew. If maintenance issues are involved, I believe the Civil Aviation Administration and other units 
will carry out an investigation, which will be done according to their administrative procedures. Scoot stated that the plane's next scheduled flight to Singapore from Taipei at 1.30 a.m. Monday was cancelled. Affected passengers were offered hotel accommodations or refunds, and the route was rescheduled for 8.45 p.m. the same day. As for where the plane's nose wheel ended up, that is still a mystery. Taiwan's renewable energy transition is underway. Solar and wind power are very visible parts of the new tech revolution. But did he know that energy storage could also become a major component of the new power system? Renewable power sources are vulnerable to disruptions, which can cause acute shortages. Taiwanese engineers have developed a new system for energy storage and have attracted companies from all over the globe. Their system uses water to store energy when the power isn't in demand, then that power can be released to calm bottlenecks during peak times. As Taiwan pursues its energy transition, all eyes are on hydropower. But with the lack of rain this spring come fears that droughts could lead to power shortages. That's why Taiwan's energy companies are developing all new energy storage systems. 12 units fit into this 10,000 square meter storage plant. Together they can store 10,000 kilowatt hours. That's enough to power 1,000 homes or 5,000 people, a whole large community. It's actually a continuous circular process. So you just put the water in once and it doesn't need to be pure water. The water used in this hydropower storage plant does not need to be renewed. Running the plant costs just half of what it takes to maintain a battery, and it has 85% efficiency. Companies from the US, Singapore, Malaysia and Indonesia have already signed on to use the Taiwanese technology. We're actually already talking with the city of Phoenix in the US about how to provide US companies with power. In Taiwan, electricity costs 1.9 NT at night. We use 1.9 NT to store the power, and then at peak times, for example from 4 to 5 p.m., we release it. So if the disparity in the price of 1 kilowatt hour in the day and in the night is as much as 5 NT, and we use 100,000 kilowatt hours in one day, then we've saved 500,000 NT in a day. Over a whole year, we save many tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars. That's incredibly important for big consumers of power. 2022 was a big year for wind and solar power in Taiwan. Renewables provided 8.3% of the national grid, a total of 2.3 billion kilowatt hours. Experts expect that proportion to grow 10% and 3 billion kilowatt hours this year. The government's official goal is for 20% of the nation's power to be renewable by the end of 2025, with wind, solar and hydropower all playing a vital role. Bilateral relations between Taiwan and Italy recently have been getting warmer. In recent days, Taiwan's Foreign Minister Joseph Wu has been in Europe. He has not only paid visits to Poland, Belgium and Czechia, but also made a big diplomatic breakthroughs with his visit to Italy, which has long been friendly to China. An Italian parliamentarian was the first to reveal a meeting Wu had with Italian lawmakers. It was captioned, always stand on the side of freedom. On Monday, President Tsai Ing-wen also met with Gianmarco Centinaio, the deputy speaker of the Italian Senate, who said Taiwan is a democratic country and a friend of the whole world and Italy. 
去年，意大利国会三度通过有台决议案。意大利外交部塔尼亚部长。Last year, the Italian Parliament passed three resolutions on friendship with Taiwan. Italy's Foreign Minister Antonio Tajani has also repeatedly reiterated his support for maintaining the status quo in the Taiwan Strait. Italy also dispatched warships and, with actions, ensured peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. I hope in future we can join with Italy and even more democratic partners to collectively uphold regional stability and prosperity. Per mantenere la democrazia non solamente nella zona orientale del mondo, ma in tutto il mondo. We will work together with the Taiwan government. The G7 has also publicly expressed hopes that the status quo of peace in the Taiwan Strait can be maintained. We hope that democratic systems can not only continue to be maintained in the East, but also blossom and bear fruit across the world, so that the globe's democratic camp can be even stronger. It was Centennial's third time to visit to Taiwan. Not only did he lead the first Italian parliamentary delegation to Taiwan since the new Italian government took office at the end of last year, but it was also the highest-level visit since the two sides mutually set up representative offices. Tainan's Renda district is fighting to contain the spread of dengue fever, as the 14th infection has now been reported. In efforts to fight back against the mosquito-borne virus, local officials have opened a screening center and are urging residents to clean up any sites where mosquitoes could breed. Let's take a look at their work in action. New cases of dengue fever in Tainan's Yuanda district have been reported, and local authorities are stepping up inspections to remove mosquito breeding sites and prevent further spread of the disease. As cases continue rising, we're advising residents to tidy up the area and empty containers with accumulated water. The number of dengue fever cases in Tainan has already reached 14, all of which have been linked to Yuanda district. To find more potential cases, the city government has set up a screening station at an activity center in Chenggong Village, urging residents with symptoms to get screened as soon as possible. At the screening station, electric mosquito swatters are handed out to residents so they can take matters into their own hands. Meanwhile, in neighboring Gaoxiong, action is already being taken against dengue. The city government has opened an epidemic command center for six northern districts of Gaoxiong close to Tainan, and is carrying out mosquito control and monitoring. Chading District is close to Tainan. I'm here today to observe vector surveillance of fishing vessels and health monitoring for fishermen. We aim to tackle any issues in the port. To eliminate dengue fever, it's important to eliminate wet environments where mosquitoes breed. Failure to clean up breeding sites could even result in fines of up to 15,000 NT dollars. Researchers from the NTU Department of Geosciences have learned more about a fault in Hualien County affected by a series of strong earthquakes last September. Digging down three meters into a public square in Yuli Township, it was discovered that the Yuli Fault. Which has been active for a thousand years was displaced by 20 centimeters following last year's quakes. 
Looking closely at pictures from before and after the quakes, it is possible to see how grates over gutters and seating in the square all shifted to the left, similar to Yuli's fault's trajectory. In response, the township's mayor said that further research could help identify where future construction in the area needs to be reinforced. The mayor also expressed hope that the excavation site can be turned into a geology park so that the public can better understand the Yuli Fault. According to Taichung City Fire Bureau, there were 224 hiking accidents in central mountain regions in the last three years. They resulted in the deaths of 19 people. The top three reasons that hikers required rescue were getting lost, injury due to a fall or slip, and ill health, including altitude sickness. The Fire Bureau and mountain experts want to remind hikers of one crucial tip to remember. After calling for rescue, while waiting for the team to arrive, do not descend hastily and make sure to prevent hypothermia. If you didn't bring enough equipment to keep warm and it starts raining, the chilling effects of the water and the wind will give you hypothermia in just three hours. Generally, you should take shelter in a hole in a tree or in a forest, unless you brought with you a stove or some means to make a fire. You have to keep your nerve endings dry, at the very least, and wait for rescue. The Fire Bureau also recommends downloading the offline map app. It uses GPS coordinates to figure out your latitude and longitude. That can help the rescue team find you fast. And electricity poles also contain a key to survival. If they can't report where they are, we also guide people to tell us a power pole, the coordinates of the pole they're beside. The code of letters and numbers on the pole can be used to work out your exact location. If your friend is heading up the mountain soon, remind them of these tips. They just might be vital. Do you ever wish you had somewhere you could let out your internal monologue? Somewhere that you can unload your thoughts without consequences? Well, one young artist has found that one place on stage. Former political aide and now design entrepreneur Li Mei has come a long way from election days. Her new career is in ventriloquism. Along with her big mouth sidekick and adorable panda, she performs uplifting shows for kids. But she wasn't always so comfortable in the spotlight. She says going on stage was excruciating at first. Children are enthralled by this show, which is as cute as it is hilarious. Ventriloquist Li Mei chats to her trusty panda friend and a sarcastic quip or two might sneak in. Her meticulously crafted sketches have the audience chuckling in no time. Who would imagine that this cool as a cucumber performer once had a huge fear of the stage? When I started, I always found it so painful and I just wanted to get off the stage as soon as possible so the children would stop looking at me. When she was studying ventriloquism, she would write her scripts out and practice them over and over. There are lots of special skills to master. Our voice normally comes out from our vocal cords, but in ventriloquism, the energy is in your belly. So every word is a training for your dantian or lower belly. Lee, now 32, previously worked as a political campaign aide and designed promotional materials for her candidate. Then she became a professional designer and started training in ventriloquism. It was during the pandemic that her performing skills really blossomed. 
I'm actually quite a quiet person, but I also think that ventriloquism allows me to speak out my internal monologue. It doesn't really feel like a job, it's more like something I'm really interested in, and I want to use it to express myself and give people something joyful. For Lee, ventriloquism is much more than just work. It's a way to express herself, to let out what's inside, and reach out to others. She says that when she needs a reminder of the passion that got her into it, she just takes a look at the wide eyes and delighted laughter of her audience, and it all makes sense.